You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Everyone, welcome back to the Completely Fucking Clueless podcast. We have a very special guest today. And also, this is our first recording for Pride Month, just oh, so you know. Happy uh, Pride. Yes, happy Pride. <laughs> and if you weren't a listener with us last Pride, during Pride Month, as queer women, we like to highlight LGBTQ experiences. So all of our guests are a part of the LGBT community. LGBTQ community and we are so excited to be sitting down with Kiki Ball Change today. Welcome to the pod. Uh, Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah. (laughs) We actually got introduced to you at At The Wallace. Yes. We went and saw a couple of your last hosting gigs for RuPaul's Uh season 15. Um, And so Audrey and I, when we saw you, we were like, we have to try and get Kiki on the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy you asked. Yeah. We're so happy you're (laughs) here. I always like want an excuse to talk about myself. Oh, like, don't we all? I like ask the universe. I'm like, someone please get me on the podcast. <laughs> I just want to talk. I know. I feel like that's the thing when ha- people ask us about like getting guests on the podcast. They're like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I feel like most of the time people are willing to talk about themselves for yeah. an hour. Like, why not? You know, yeah. get a video of yourself. Of all the things. Camera, am I smiling? <laughs> this one, I believe. Okay. Yes. <laughs> there we go. I was like four. <laughs> um, so let's start with your drag journey. Sure. You know, when and how did you become a drag queen? Uh, so I started drag in officially in 2017. Okay. Um, I like to say that it was always kind of there. Like sure. kind of also like being queer. I feel like mm-hmm. there are signs along the way that I feel, you know, whether you believe in God or divine being or the universe or karma or whatever it is, I feel like everything has its per like everything comes together how it should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was younger, I have two uh, brothers, an older brother and a younger brother and okay. a younger sister. But uh, when I would play with my brothers, whether it be like, you know, like role playing kind of like stuff with lightsabers or like video <laughs> games, like I'd always want to be either like Princess Peach or like when we would play with lightsabers, I'd be like a Jedi princess. Like, it was always part of like the fabric of my being. Yeah. Um. And then, like, one year in uh, Halloween in, like, 2007, I don't know if you remember, there was a commercial for, like, a cell phone that was, like, a girl, and she was, like, IDK, my BFF Jill. Do you remember that? Maybe it's too, just yeah. above your... Just- <laughs> I don't know what our age difference is, but I'm... We're 24, 25. Okay, I'm 29. Okay. So it's, it's maybe a few years past you, but it was, like, when cell phones were a big thing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, texting and pay, pay yeah. plans for per text, you know, oh, all that. yeah. So, um... I went one year in 2007. I was like 13. I went as your BFF Jill. Oh. That was my first like official time like in drag. Okay. And it was like my mom's clothes, this like wig she wore for Halloween like years ago. Um, but then to take it to now, I started officially as Kiki in 2017. Yeah. Um, I was living with my parents in Alabama. They had moved there from Florida where I'm from. So I didn't know anyone. I wasn't doing anything. I was just like working to save money to eventually move here. Yeah. And um, I started while I was dating someone at the time who was like, you should, I think you would really like Drag Race. Because mm. I'd seen like a couple episodes here and there, um, but never really watched a full season. So I started watching it because I was home alone bored and I started with season nine. Okay. I mean, sorry, season nine had just finished. I started with season eight. Okay. And where I grew up, when I would see drag in the South, it was very like pageanty and 
ballads with beautiful gowns mm. and big hair. And I loved it. But I did musical theater, you yeah, know, yep. so I'm a performer. Yes. We're both BFA babies. Yes, well. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so watching that kind of drag, I was like, this is great. I love, you know, queer people on stage doing this. But I don't think, you know, I would never do it. Mm. And so then when I started watching Drag Race, I saw Bob the Drag Queen and Thorgy Thor, mm-hmm. like on the show. And I was, it, my jaw like dropped. I was like, oh, that I can do that. Mm-hmm. That's like drag, but it's more like me and what I bring to the table. I like to be funny and I like to be entertaining and, you know, smart and talented. Not that saying that the other people aren't smart and talented <laughs> and entertaining, but in, in my way, you know, in my theater way and my goofy way. And um, yeah, and then I was an actor. So I was bouncing around doing different shows and I would do like a theater show. And then later that night I would get ready and go out and drag and perform at like an open stage. Um, And then when I moved here, I started auditioning as an actor and still doing drag on the side. Mm. And one thing led to another. I won a competition that gave me like a solo show in drag. And I caught like the bug of you know, I was like, oh, this is actually better than doing theater. <laughs> I can I can be my own boss and I can do what I want and yeah. I can be as gay as I want, which, you know, growing up and in college as an adult in theater as a gay man, it's like I felt like I always had to try to fit myself into a certain like archetype of, mm. you know, I'm tall, but I have a very like high, you know, feminine voice and so I could never really be a leading man I'm too tall to be a character actor you know I'm or I'm not large enough like I went to like a book of, this is uh, one question I'm no, on a, I'm on a, I'm on a roll love but this. love it I went to um a book of mormon like uh workshop thing with okay. one of the casting directors and my dream role for years was elder Cunningham okay and I did this whole workshop. I paid all this money to do it. And at the end of the workshop, I went up to the casting director and I said, hi, maybe this is a stupid question, but I just want to know, like, in your opinion, what are my chances of ever booking a Cunningham on like tour, on Broadway, anything? She said, it's not going to happen. Wow. Because you're too tall. We'd have to have like a six, seven elder price. And so that was like kind of toward the end of like where I kind of started separating a little bit more from theater. Yeah. Where I was just like, I don't, this is like my one dream role of a show that's on Broadway right now Mm -hmm. that I could really see myself doing and the casting people don't see it for me. So like, fuck it, I'm just going to go and be my own person and do my own thing. So anyway, uh, five and a half years later, here I am. That's amazing. (laughs) Doing it full time. That's amazing. I love that. It's interesting. This podcast that I had listened to you on, um, you had talked about how drag has like sort of let you make your own role in Mm -hmm. this world. And I really resonate with that because I think our podcast gets, allows us to have our own role as like performers and entertainers in this world. Because like you said, the theater world can just be so put you in a box based Mm -hmm. on like what you look like, what you sound like. And that can be really hard because I don't know about you, but as a kid, like I wasn't really thinking about that when I was like, I want to be a performer. You know, I didn't think that I I, like knew technically the entertainment industry, you know, looks mattered, but I guess something about me didn't really realize how much they were going to try and put us into Mm -hmm. a box, you know? I mean, you even see with now with like, say the Tony Awards, yeah, you, 
I think Broadway is moving in a more progressive direction mm-hmm. with casting. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thrilled for Bonnie Milligan. I'm a huge Bonnie Milligan oh, stan. Yes, I thought yes. she was robbed for head over heels. She should have gotten the oh. nomination then, but I'm happy she has it now. Yes. But you know, like Alex Newell is nominated as best supporting actor. Yeah. And Jay Harrison G is nominated for best leading actor mm-hmm. and they don't have non-gendered categories. And so even still, yeah. we're put in a box of yeah. where the industry thinks we should be. Yeah. Otherwise we have to withdraw a nomination like someone in, uh, what was the show? And Juliet, I think. Yeah, and Juliet. Oh, There's progress, really? but it's slow. Yeah. I'm hoping next year we'll have non-gendered categories, but yeah. We'll I mean, who knows what's going to happen this year with the Tony Awards. So. <laughs> I know the improv, <laughs> <laughs> but I support the writers. Yeah, so yeah, I'm fine. Much. I'm fine with an improv Tony. So I'm fine with that. A hundred percent. And so, you know, when you did move to New York and you mm-hmm. were starting your drag career here, were there times where you felt uncertain or clueless even? And how did you navigate yourself through that? So, just with drag. I mean, just uh, honestly, drag or your life here in general yeah. or being like a, a new person in a new mm-hmm. city, you know? I lived here um, very briefly in 2016. Okay. I graduated college a semester early. Slay. Um, <laughs> in December. And so then I took like the next six months to kind of save money to yeah. move here. And I moved here in the summer of 2016. Uh, I was here for three months. I absolutely hated it. Um, It was my dream. And I got here and I was like, what what am I going to do? I hate it. I can't. This is my dream. And now I don't know what to do. Uh Um, So I left. I had like a nervous breakdown in the middle (laughs) of the night in like August 2016. Bought a plane ticket and came home. Mm. And I said, the next week, I was home with my parents again in Alabama. And I was like, I miss New York. And I didn't think I would. I thought I would never want to come back. Yeah. When I bought my plane ticket, I was like, I'm never coming back. I don't want to live here again. And a week later, I was like hungry for it. So I was, I'm, I've always been like very intuitive with like my gut and like knowing what I want and like doing it, even if it's impulsive or whatever. I trust myself to know what's right for me. And I, um, So I made a plan and I said, okay, well, here's what didn't work when I was here. Here's what I need to do to make it work, to make me feel comfortable. And so one of it was like getting my equity card. Another one was like living with someone I knew because that was a huge deal when I was here before. Um, Another thing was like having enough money and, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever my list was. And so I moved back in 2018 in August and... It took a while for me to like get kind of comfortable with it. And especially with drag, because that was, I was like a year into drag and I'd only really been doing it on my own. I mm-hmm. didn't have a sisterhood. I didn't have a community because I was moving around a lot with shows. So I got here very clueless of like, what am I doing? I thought it was the shit. I thought everyone would want to hire me. I was like emailing bars and clubs and trying to get gigs and looking like the absolute worst pile of dog shit you can ever imagine, but feeling very confident in myself yeah. and my talent. Um, So it definitely took a while to like learn the ropes mm. and New York is kind of its own beast with drag, with anything, but with drag especially. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it took a long time to kind of fit in. But I think like what 
always kind of stood out was like the talent was there. Like mm-hmm. the the what's it called? Foundation? Yeah. The foundation was there. I had a good foundation. Yeah. I just had to like polish myself. Yeah. And so it's been, you know, since twenty eighteen of just really hitting the pavement and doing a bunch of saying yes to everything and yeah. doing gigs that, you know, I made no money on that there was no audience for, but I was doing it because if one person in the audience knew who I was after that night, it was worth it. Yeah. Because that's part of building a business and building your brand. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And like, what were some of the things like, especially in this New York scene of drag that you were doing at the beginning to like learn the ropes and get yourself out there? Like if somebody was listening to this and was like, how do I start this Mm -hmm. career for myself in New York? So there are a lot of really great um, drag, like open stages um, or like competitions you can do. There's something called Drag Wars that pieces every Monday night Mm. um, with Shaquita Hall, who's been around for like two decades. She's incredible. There's um, Star Search at Barracuda with Keisha Carr, who's a really wonderful drag queen. She's my great drag grandmother, I think. Nice. and there are, you know, tons of other things you can do. There's like a website called thoughtacy.com where you, it has like a schedule every day of like what's going on in every borough. Wow. There's a website called seethequeens.com where you can go and see what's going on. So you can always kind of look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's changing somewhat than when I first moved here. I think because social media has, you know, e- even just through the pandemic years, like the last couple of years, like yeah. has really become such a huge part of like networking and communicating with other creatives. Right. Um, but I still think the most important thing for anyone to do is like to go out and meet people in public. Okay. And especially in, in drag, if that's what you're doing yeah. is go out and drag, say hi to people. I know you're not being paid and it's called paying your dues and mm. it really sucks. And I hate <laughs> telling people to do unpaid work, but it's not really, I mean, it's not, it's work, but it's not, you're not working. It's, right. You're meeting people. And, and that's, with any career, I think it's important that you network and you meet oh, the people God. you want to work with or the people you want to hire you and and show face because if you show up somewhere and you're in drag, but you're not performing, people are like, who's that? What is she doing here? And they want to know why you're there and they want to get to know you. And especially drag performers, I feel like in most cases you are, when you walk into a room, you instantly become the center of attention Mm. because you look extravagant in most cases. And so, you know, it's just, it really is like the building blocks of moving to New York is is your community and and meeting the people that will hire you eventually and, and work with you and recommend you and do that. So that's really how I started was, um, you know, doing... I, like I said, I did a competition yeah. that was like, I don't think it really exists anymore in New York at all, but it was like an eight-week competition. I think there's maybe one place that does it now. But like it used to be a lot more common where like you would do multiple weeks at a bar in a competition setting, whereas now like the ones I said earlier are like one night only. Okay. You know, every week it changes who, you know, who's in it, who the winner is. And then through that, I thought I was going to be the first eliminated and I ended up winning. Oh my gosh. And I got a solo show that was supposed to be like a four week run and then it was popular. So it got extended indefinitely Yeah. until COVID happened and the bar closed, you know, but 
we re- re-pivot, we yeah. re-adjust, but that's how I got started. Wow, that's such that's such an amazing story, yeah. like winning the competition and like going on to doing that. And like, do you feel that drag and theater in kind of how they operate as careers are like similar or, or very different? Similar. Okay, yeah, um, I figured. I took a class in college called Theater Careers. Okay. The best if I paid all the money I paid for college for that one class, it would have been worth it. Really? I felt like most of my skills were already there, but that was the one skill that like was completely new to me that helped has helped me the most mm. that I got from college. Um, and it was all about, we talked about taxes. Oh my God. We talked about proper headshots and resumes. We mm-hmm. talked about networking. Yeah. We talked about websites. We talked about social media. You know, we talked, and, and it's still going on and they have like a Facebook group LOL, that like connects the current students with the old students to be like, hey, what does the industry look like now? Mm. Can you help answer these questions that we have? Stuff like that. That is still helping students at my school. So uh, I took a lot of that from theater careers and I've applied it to my drag. Yeah. Um, I hate the word like my brand. I hate it. I hate when I tell people, I'm like, you know, I'm building my brand. I'm, I'm oh, I say that brand. all the time. I'm like, we're building our brand. Well, I mean, it's true. Yeah. I, I I don't hate it because it's true and it's it's very effective, but- It can be cringy. I, it feels obnoxious. It feels, it feels obnoxious as like a single person. Yeah, sure, sure, To sure, be like sure. my brand when sure. I'm not like a company, even though technically <laughs> Kiki Ball changes an LLC. Thank you very much. Um, you know, but it was- as the same thing as an actor, it's like you are billing yourself. You are the product. Right. Yeah. And so it's the same for drag. You are billing. It is yourself. It's character of yourself. But you're billing you mm-hmm. and what you offer. You are the business. You are the brand. And so theater careers taught me, you know, so much about having my own website and making sure every all my social media had like the same photo across all all platforms and it all had like a similar theme and and as a drag queen I right now I'm not really doing it's kind of giving 80s but usually like my aesthetic <laughs> is more like 60s and 70s kind of like retro Very whatever cool. um broadway campy yeah um and you know, and that is all a part of it too. It's like, who are you as a drag queen and what do you offer? What makes you stand out? What makes you different? But also what do you have that is like a staple for drag that you need to have as well? And, um, you know, so figuring out who you are as an actor, as a drag queen, and then knowing how to sell that right, to make money. Yeah, yeah. That is such a great point because I feel like that was something that our education maybe didn't really prepare us for. Like mm-hmm. we literally, we got like a 45 minute talk about taxes. Do you remember that? That Zoom? Yes. <laughs> Not a Zoom. Oh, you're the college Zoom generation. Oh, yeah. yeah, 2021 uh, grads. Uh, I think it was better. So it was a our class that was similar to that mm-hmm. was usually run by the head of the program, and mm-hmm. we were there during the time of turnover a lot of and okay. confusion. Yeah. Okay. So I think from what I'd heard from upperclassmen, we just got a little fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's interesting. Last week, um, a girl who's a senior at a BFA program right now had reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm doing this final project, and I'm going to e- – uh, not email. I'm going to interview an actor from New York. Like, can I interview you? And I was like, sure. And I was like, this is a, such a great idea. Like, I wish I would have talked to somebody who mm-hmm. is actually, like, in the industry right now. Like, what is it like? What do I need to prepare myself for when I go to New York? Like, all these 
these things because, you know, you don't really know until you get here unless somebody is kind of cluing you in. So mm-hmm. I think that class sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's definitely like something a few of like my like peers in college have out of college. We've really been trying to build like the New York network yeah. and, and other cities too. Like we run like an alumni like Instagram that celebrates like the accomplishments that the alumni are doing. That's and that was saying. all separate from the university and, you know, a lot of drama around that. But <laughs> when is there uh, exactly. I was like, we're, we're doing musical theater. But, you know, it's very important to me to like also help future generations that are coming and and as scared and nervous about living here as yeah. I was. So Sure. What would be like a networking tip you would give to somebody if you had any? A networking tip. Um hmm, use initiative. Okay. But also don't try too hard. Mm. Because we can I can sniff out desperation and sometimes it's impressive. <laughs> Cause I also see that in my like I was very I was a desperate young adult where I was just like someone noticed me someone liked me someone give me a chance yeah where like I look back on things I said and did or messages that I sent to people I had no no right messaging like Broadway people on Facebook in like 2015 being like hi um I'm moving to New York and I really love to like chat and get coffee and like but and I'm like I've never met you in my life (laughs) I'm coming from Florida and, you know, stuff like that where I'm like, okay, just I wish I could go back and tell myself to just like relax yeah, a little bit and just let the world work how it works. And you're doing your best. You're trying hard. You're making all the right moves. But don't just don't be as desperate for like <laughs> attention and love as you want to be. Um, yeah, I mean, I would really say like I think there are so many times that like I I see the world, I think, differently than a lot of people see it. And I think like it's because there are so many things that were taught to me at a young age that have stuck with me. Mm. Um, My kindergarten teacher taught us the word initiative. And first, like I want a tattoo of it because I use it like almost every day of my life. And it means so much to me to say like, I look around at people And I'm like, here's this giant problem or here's this thing that needs to be fixed or something needs to be moved or someone needs to do this. And I look around, I'm like, no one's doing it. Oh, I'll just do it. Yeah. And I've always just kind of lived my life that way. And this (laughs) some drug talk. I did acid once. (laughs) The only time I've ever done it. We did three and a half tabs the very first time I ever did it. You're supposed to do one. I did three okay, and a half. Okay, I was that like, I have no, never really done no, it. I did three and a half. So. And um, I had this giant like epiphany. We were like at this lake house in like September, <clears throat> upstate New York. Picture it. And um, <laughs> I walked out to the pier and I was tripping balls and I looked <laughs> out and like everything was moving and all the houses had eyes and the the mountains were like the mountain in Moana that like is sleeping <laughs> and looking at me and everything like it felt like the entire world was like staring at me. Mm. Not in like a creepy way, but just like a confusing way. And so I asked like out loud, <laughs> tripping balls, I was like, what is everyone looking at? And it, the world responded, you. Mm. And for some reason, 
it really made sense to me in that moment that I was like, oh, people look to me. I'm a leader. Mm. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to lead others and I'm here to be an example and I'm here to do the things that no one else does because I have the initiative to do it. And that's so important to me. And so it really like changed my whole, I mean, hey, acid's crazy, but like it changed my worldview yeah. in like an instant where I was, it like gave me a new purpose of like, this is what I'm here to do because no one else is going to do it. Yeah. That's for me. This is my path. And so I feel like I just keep doing monologues for every question. No, I love this. I, I'm like inspired. Yeah, but <laughs> Exclusively it's, communicated monologues. <laughs> But, you know, I would just say to anyone that's like moving here or starting a new journey or unsure what they're doing with their life, like maybe do some drugs, but also, <laughs> um, you know, also just know like you, every person on this planet has, I, I don't even believe in God, but a divine purpose. Mm. We all have skills that no one else has, or even if it's not no one else, it's like few people in our group. Yeah. We are like the person in the group that does the thing, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of better words. It's just like you're the leader or you're the person that is like the mom of the group or you're the person that, you know, is the smart, like practical one. Like everyone has skills that they have developed throughout their life that have led them to where they are now. And it's important, I think, where people get lost and people get unsure of themselves is when they try to fight against who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think also being queer it's such an integral lesson of of being queer is be who you are. Yeah. You're only going to be unhappy if you're not. Yeah. And so it's the same way with any part of ourselves, you know? And so I would say listen to yourself, you know? I love it. I feel like today's the day of like listening to yourself and trusting the world because we were <laughs> recording earlier with somebody else and she was talking about how like she was, you know, she likes to put a lot of trust in like the world and mm-hmm. that like it has a plan for you and all these things so I'm feeling inspired to just yeah. trust it and let things I happen. I think it does you know and not to be too like Marianne Williamson crystal <laughs> astrological but you know we all I believe in the big bang yes. so by that logic like we all came from the same thing mm-hmm. we are everything is connected every path is connected even if it's like you know there are different paths you can take yeah but it's all connected to the same thing, which is like we are here to live our life and be ourselves. And like we live in this structure of society where we're supposed to make money and work and blah, blah, blah. But like at the end of the day, like we only have the one life mm-hmm. to like do with it as we want. And and there are so many ways we can connect to others, connect to each other, connect to ourselves, connect to the things around us yeah. that lead us to where we're supposed to be. Mic drop. I love it. I love acid it. drop. <laughs> <laughs> All comes back to the acid. There's going to be some mom who listens to this and is going to be like, so my takeaway was do drugs. <laughs> I mean, listen, I will say drugs have really helped me with a lot of things. There you go. So... There you go. I will condone it. There I will go. condone it. You know, maybe I need to like try a little acid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, my sister and I, one time. I'm not. I know. I know. I've never been a big drug person. Yeah. I don't know why. It's not for everyone. Yeah. My, I think, oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. My sister and I one time joked to our mom of like, we always joke like, we could be doing worse. We could be on drugs. And she was like, actually, you two are both on drugs. And we were like, what? And like, we both do various 
weed and uh-huh. some mushrooms weed. weed. Well, uh, some edibles, smoking. Regardless, mm-hmm. and she didn't come for that. She was like, "Well, you're both on antidepressants," and I was like, "You don't get to call us out for being on drugs." Shout out to Fucking, you can call us out for the actual drugs we do. One of my siblings does a bunch of mushrooms, but you can't call us out for antidepressants. That doesn't count. I know. Well, hey, I mean, mushrooms are are. There are yes. very promising studies that yes. they technically are Don't antidepressants. Show up in your bloodstream for a oh, long for time, a drug so test. If you get tested. Well, as a drug queen, I don't think I ever have to worry about that. Yeah. But maybe uh, nice. you know, <laughs> maybe someday I'll have a corporate job I need to worry about. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Trust I hope me. I never do. <laughs> um, and what do you feel are like the most challenging and best parts of drag? Hmm. I would say it is you are like your I keep saying you're your own business and it's true. And that is like the pro and the con. Yeah. It's like you have to be on top of everything. I feel that. If you want a successful career. Mm. Some people are lucky and they don't have to work as hard and that's fine for them, good for them. In my experience, like I I you have to like always be pushing yourself, always be improving, always be leveling up while also being on top of your taxes, being on top of your expenses, being able to pay rent, being able to buy food while also, you know, worrying about your social media and worrying about your gigs and worrying and emailing people. It's like you are your own publicist. You're your own designer. You're your own, you know, I don't make my own outfits, but you can be your own seamstress. You can be your own wig stylist, your own makeup artist, your own performer, your own, business lady like you're doing every part of it and that is definitely the most challenging aside from the fact that like my body hates me every day from doing (laughs) drag um especially as i'm nearing 30 it's (laughs) like my body after a a show where i'm really feeling myself i'll wake up the next day and really feel myself in other ways i've already accepted i'm like i'm someday gonna get a double knee replacement (laughs) and that's just part of my future (laughs) i hit double knee i hit 27 and like the next day i was like "Ooh, ooh, (laughs) cracking here where i'd never cracked before and my back is hurting over here where it's never hurt before and so you know that's but the goal is get to a place where I don't have to kill my body for money and tips and all of that. Yeah. Drag. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the inspiration behind your name? We're so curious. Oh, theater. I mean, yeah. 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 Well, like how did, how did you come, you come up, up with, with it? it? I don't remember exactly when it was, but I, it was definitely bef- years before I started drag. Okay. I, it was like around the time I think I first found out that like drag names can be puns. Oh. And so I think I was talking to my siblings about it. I was with a group of people and I was just like, what, if I was ever a drag queen, what would my name be? Mm-hmm. You know, so we're throwing out different names and, you know, I'm Jewish. So we're throwing out like Hannah Kia and like, you know, Shabbat Shalom, stuff like that. <laughs> and I don't know how, but somehow it landed on Kiki Ball Change. And I said, I that's it's it. so good. If I ever do drag, that's going to be my name. Yeah. And so when I first started in my parents' house, I like one of the first things I did was like check Instagram to see if there were any other <laughs> Kiki Ball Changes out there because mm-hmm. I didn't want to have the same name as someone. And it was not available or it was available. So I, I like 
made an Instagram. Nah, and that that's was what day. Audrey did when we first figured out our name. She was uh-huh. like making like, every Instagram account. <laughs> different domains. We've got a bunch uh-huh. of Instagrams. I'm like, y'all ain't taking this shit. It's ours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like dot net, else. dot gov. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, the other week we got like a domain like refresher thing. Yeah. And there's like 10 emails about domains. I was like, Audrey, what are <laughs> We own all the iterations. <laughs> it's because so my parents do startups and what would happen sometimes oh. is someone would buy the name before you could and then mm-hmm. you have to pay way more fucking money for it. I love the times where it's like a politician's like campaign website is like for misses the payment deadline and someone buys it and then makes it into like hentai porn or something oh and they're God. like sometimes buy really <laughs> crazy <laughs> names so that other people can't buy them and I, mm-hmm. I it was the uh, uh, last week tonight that did it of like uh-huh. It went and showed like all of these crazy domain names that politicians have bought so that no one can buy it. And it was literally like crazy things of like, uh, what's the name of any politician? Uh, but size Ron DeSantis, he's the only person I can think of. Like, Ron DeSantis sucks a dick and he like bought it so no one else can. Uh huh. I mean, hey, you know, sometimes you got to do that to protect Cover. your brand. Yeah. yeah. The brand. Yeah. The brand. I don't think I answered the part. Did I answer it? You said what was good about doing yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. Like, I never <laughs> the best that. part. I, I just complained a lot no, about it. No, it's okay. Um, I love being able to feel, it sounds so dumb and cliche, but to feel beautiful. Yeah. I feel like growing up as like an unconventionally attractive like person. Because I think I am attractive, I know I'm attractive, and um, but I'm not conventionally attractive. I can under- I can realize that about myself. Um, so growing up gay in the South, mm-hmm. you know, I did I didn't date anyone until college, mm-hmm. and not because I didn't want to, but because there was no one around, and the people that were didn't want to date me. And ever since then, like I've had very few relationships. I've only had three like real relationships since college. Um, and I struggled a lot before I started drag with like my self-image and my confidence and all of that. But it was really like, even when I looked the most busted on in drag, I felt more beautiful than I ever had out of drag. And that has since translated into out of drag yeah. where like I can look at myself now and say, like my therapist, love him, um, said... You can tap into, and RuPaul says it too, but you can tap into the energy you have when you're in drag any time in your life, in any situation. And so it's really incredible how drag has transformed Gabe and Kiki has transformed how I feel about myself all the time Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel so powerful when I'm in drag that it's hard not to feel the same way when it's off. And it's still hard. Like, I still definitely feel like, you know, this is a new human hair unit. So I was, like, definitely feeling my oats in the car. I was staring at it. Yeah, go ahead. It costs a lot of money, so please stare at it (laughs) as much as you want. Love. Um, You know, that is really the most beautiful thing, I think, about drag. Mm. And I've seen it not just with me. I've seen it with a lot of other people. Yeah. That you just feel feel power especially as a queer person that you don't feel I think up until that moment Mm. and even people that don't do drag regularly if they just do drag for Halloween or they you know someone paints their face for an event or a party or whatever everyone has the same reaction when they first see themselves in drag 
it's a completely different person, but it's still you. Yeah. And, but you feel, you're like, I didn't know I could look like this. And yeah, you can. Mm. And everyone, you have the potential to tap into it whenever you want. And so that has really been the most rewarding part about doing it. It's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And kind of shifting gears, um, you mentioned uh, just now, you know, growing up in the South mm-hmm. and your sexuality, when did you start having thoughts of questioning your sexuality and how did you navigate that? Hmm. Uh, everyone knew I was gay before I did mm-hmm. is the best way I know how to say it. It was very apparent to everyone but me. And I was very convinced until I was like 14 that I liked women. And and in many ways, I still do. I think they're very beautiful. Um, but I, it just kind of hit me one day. Like I was with one of my friends in middle school. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Like in my head, I was like, hold on. Am I his friend because I want to be his friend or because I want to <laughs> be his friend? Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I would, like, start fantasizing or start, like, you know, whatever. Meanwhile, like, still playing Princess Peach and being a Jedi princess. Being like, <laughs> I love women. I love women. Yeah. My mom asked me five million times growing up if I was gay. And I told really? her no every single time. Mm. Partially because I didn't know how she would react once I did know I was gay. Mm. And partially because I truly, I was like, no, I'm not. I just like doing single ladies at cast parties (laughs) it's just who I am yeah and um you know but it was hard growing up in the south Mm -hmm. and I grew up in Pensacola which is Florida first of all and second of all uh currently represented by uh Matt Gates Mm -hmm. who I don't know if you've heard of him yeah um so it is a very conservative area yeah luckily when I grew up one it wasn't it nothing about Florida is is the same as it was when I was growing up. It's mm-hmm. changed a lot. But, um, you know, still the South, still very conservative part of the country. And uh, so I didn't know how anyone would react. I thought my parents were going to disown me, which is absolutely insane to think about now because they absolutely never would have. But I didn't know. And right. there was no, like, media out there. Like, Glee had just started airing. Kurt Hummel was like, (laughs) with his dad, that storyline was literally me. I was watching it and being like, oh, oh, oh. And I hadn't seen any of that before. Yeah. I was too young to see, you know, uh, what's the... Will and Grace. Will and Grace, yes. But also there was, um, they just made a remake of it on Peacock, I think. Elward? No, it was gay. (laughs) Um, It was like Canada. And then it, anyway... Someone will like comment on it. Yeah. Like, you dumb idiot. Where are I? No. Oh. John Sibili, I think, was in it. Anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> Queer as folk. Okay. Uh, oh. You know, so yeah. there was stuff out there, but I was too young to really see it. Yeah. And so that, and like all the media I had before Glee was like prayers for Bobby, where he commits suicide. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, I just had another one. I forgot it. Uh, another one where someone commits suicide yeah. and everyone's unhappy and their parents disown them. And that was like, and people have HIV and die. And my parents grew up in the eighties and like were young, like in their twenties throughout the eighties. And so they saw what AIDS did to gay men. And so that was their influence on me was, well, if you're gay, you're going to probably get AIDS and die. Mm. Not in like a hateful way, but just like, this is our experience knowing gay people. Right. 
And then on the media, all I saw was people committing suicide or dying of AIDS. And mm. so it was like, that's what I thought my life was going to be. Yeah. And so I was terrified for years, even though like I knew I was gay from like 13 until I came out, started coming out at like 15, 16. That was like three years mm -hmm. where I knew I liked boys, but I was too terrified to tell anyone. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I forgot where the question was going, but I, you know, it started slowly. I started with my friends, mm -hmm. telling my friends, and then eventually my family started finding out. Um, and everyone was pretty accepting overall. My mom was pretty upset mm. because I told my friends before I told her, mm. even though she had been asking and asking and asking. And we've come around since then. Like it took a few years for us to really talk about it and like unpack it. But she told me at the time, she was like, I, you have lost my trust mm. because I, you told everyone else before you told your own mom. And But in since then, I've talked to her and been like, you need to understand as like a 14-year-old child. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. You know? And so she understands now and we've moved past it. But it was a really tough, like, I didn't, my mom was, I had a really bad relationship with my mom for like a year or two because I felt like I didn't have her trust mm. because I had like lied to her. Yeah. It's scary. It's yeah. hard. It is. It is. My parents also sort of knew um, as well. And I, so like I started experimenting at like 12 years mm -hmm. old and then I didn't come out until I was 22. Mm -hmm. um, similarly, I was kind of like, had this moment where I was like gay when I was younger. And mm -hmm. then I was like, that's over with now. Mm -hmm. um, but it was interesting when I came out to my my parents, they were like, yeah, we, we kind of knew mm -hmm. like from things that I thought I was so slick at hiding. Um, but yeah, I, it's such a difficult experience and however you choose to, you know, navigate it and come out of it, I mm -hmm. think is like the way that you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they have like, sent, I mean, my both my parents are so, like my dad is such a classic like coming out like stupid easy <laughs> I like when it was like two years after I had told my mom and I, I'm sure she talked to him about it but in my head he had heard nothing and knew mm. nothing. I never know what my dad knows I, I have no <laughs> sense of what my I, mom has I told him my dad is an enigma like I truly don't know what goes on in his brain half the time but I love him he gives me such crazy genetics that I obsessed <laughs> with. um I went up into his room he was like watching tv and I sat on the bed and I said dad I have something really important I need to tell you. He paused the TV and I said, <laughs> I'm still your son, but I'm gay. And he was like, I know. <laughs> and I was so shocked. That I, knew. I was like, you know, you know me, the boy that's been trampling around high school, sucking off every boy he can get his hands on <laughs> is gay. And he said, yes. And then, like, we talked a little bit. And then I was leaving the room. He said, I thought you had something important to talk to me about. <laughs> That's, That's my dad. so savage. I know. I love him. That's honestly hysterical. Great story. And then, like, literally, like, I thought it was going to be a whole another deal when I started drag um, with, like, having to come out again and mm. be like, I'm a drag queen and I want to dress like a woman and whatever. And my, I did my makeup, like, in my room at my parents' house and came downstairs <clears throat> to like show my parents and be like, look, look, I did my makeup. And my the first thing my mom said was, do you need a bra? 
And then went to her closet, got me a bra, got me a dress. And that was like the first bra and dress I had in drag was from my mom. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's it's so been, incredible. I've been very lucky. With yeah. Them. That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a touching story. Part of me wants to cry a little. My mom <laughs> always buys us like all the rainbow shit. Like I currently have rainbow soap in my shower <laughs> because every Christmas she just gives us a lot of rainbow uh-huh. shit. And every time I unwrap a new one, I just shout gay and it confuses all my family members. They're like, why are you shouting it with no context? Um, my mom bought me weed socks recently. Oh. So, you know. I made my parents get stoned with me and play mini golf for oh. not my last birthday or maybe my last birthday, the birthday before. I'm, yes. I've been begging my parents to get stoned with me. Me, but they both have jobs that have drug, oh, uh, drug tests. So mm, yes, and they live in Alabama. Uh, so you know the whole thing. I don't want them to get in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, kind of wrapping up. I we've seen that you're going to be on a Hulu show. Yes, I'm very excited. I yeah, watched the trailer the other day. I know you probably can't say much, but is there anything you can like talk about with the experience? Like, how was it for you? How did it happen? So fun. So fun. It was like the first experience like that I'd ever had. Like yeah. I've done, I've done like TV things before and commercials and like I did a commercial. I mean, when I was like a child, I did like a commercial. I've been around a camera yeah. before. It was not new to me to be around a camera, but this was like the first time I was like the main subject yeah. of the camera. And they were literally, I mean, you'll see it when the show comes out, mm-hmm. but it was, it's unlike a lot of competition series and that like, they it's one the first season so they were like kind of open to whatever you wanted to bring to the table Mm. that would help set up what the show was like you are part of the creator of what this show is and will be and so that was really fun and cool to like just be stupid and like make choices that were just extra you know the biggest choice I could make on camera and I was paired with Thorgy Thor who is Mm -hmm. a friend of mine and um we just had the stupidest best time making this dinner party happen um it was great and it was you know it was first time I'd ever been around Neil Patrick Harris and David Burka and I'd met Bianca before but she was a a judge for this show Mm -hmm. and so getting to like spend time with her was really cool Benda LaCreme was one of the producers so she was like hands-on the entire day one of the makeup and hair like assistants was uh Keisha Carr who Mm -hmm. I talked about earlier and it was just like so unexpectedly like a wonderful experience for my first time doing something like that right I really went into it being very scared of you know you've seen the cast it's like 38 drag race girls and like two or three like local girls Mm -hmm. and so going into it knowing that I would I was one paired with a drag race girl and two we didn't know who we were paired up against and I can't say who it was yeah the episode comes out but Knowing it was going to be like most likely drag race girls was terrifying mm-hmm. because, you know, here I am in like my little orange and white dress, like with my little 60s hair, walking into it being like, oh, these are like, these are like celebrities mm-hmm. that I have to like impress and like make a good impression on. So that was nerve wracking, but I am very proud of everything that I did. Yay. And I'm very excited for the episode to come out. I think it'll be out by the time this episode. Amazing. This comes out, but because it comes out May 
first. Yeah. Okay, cool. At midnight. Of oh, fierce. It'll be out yes, I'm so excited to watch it. I can't wait. Well, when I first saw the trailer, I thought it was already out, and then I did that thing where I got really mad that it was <laughs> the trailer, and I couldn't actually watch it. I was like, and I'm bummed. Weird. I'm only I, you can see the back of my head in the trailer for like 0. 0.5 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the trailer and I was like looking for you. Uh-huh. There's like one shot of Georgie crying, yeah. and I'm like running behind her for like one second. You'll miss it if you like aren't looking, but. You know, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a whole episode to look at myself for. So for it's fine. Sure, for I'm sure. not that mad. And so our last question for you, we ask this to all of our guests. Okay. What, um, not what, when is a recent moment where you felt clueless? Be big, small. Mine have been as small as like, hey, are you supposed to clean your dishwasher? Or as big as like, how do I get health care? <laughs> oh, where I felt completely clueless. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I know I was in LA recently. I'm trying to think of if there was. Yes, LA. Okay. I went to WeHo. I've been to LA before. I've been out in LA before. I had a good time. Wasn't, you know, wasn't the best time of my life. I've had a good time in LA. <laughs> mm-hmm. I went to LA recently for DragCon. Mm-hmm. And we went out one night. It was me and a few of my friends. And we went to WeHo, which is like Hell's Kitchen yeah. of Los Angeles. Okay. Very gay. Very like, uh, there's like gay nightclub scene and like queer nightclub scene. This was very gay nightclub scene traditionally, mm-hmm. very much Hell's Kitchen. And um, we went to like three different clubs, and for some reason, the only music they were playing was like 2007 straight bar mitzvah music. Is <laughs> the best way I know how to describe it. It was like, it was like. Uh, what, what the apple bottom jeans? <laughs> that's it. Was like Soldier Boy. Oh it was gosh. like Tootsie Roll. <laughs> they played like one Ice Spice song. There was no Beyonce. There was no Dua Lipa. There was no Lady Gaga. I was like, we are in the gayest district in LA. We have been to three different bars, and the clientele and the music is all straight. What is going on here? <laughs> LA is like this trip to LA. I was very clueless of like, why do I ever want to be here again? (laughs) Uh, I was just like, what is going on? What is the vibe with LA? Why is it Mm. so rotted? Why? I mean, (laughs) the girls are going to come for me, but I did not enjoy it this time around. It was bad vibes. Yeah. And I didn't understand why. LA's never really been an interest place for me. I don't know why. I sweat too much. It's you smoke too much? Sweat. Oh. The weather was cold. It was colder than New York when I was there. It was warmer in New York than it was in LA. We went to the beach. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful for like an hour and a half and then it was freezing. Oh. Couldn't get in the water, of course. It was yeah. too cold. We went to Universal. That was kind of nice. Oh, okay. That's fun. We saw a Mario World. It was oh. very cool. Oh, yeah. I heard that's very fun. But there was no, okay. First of all, they have no like in- investment in their transit, in their no. public, no. in their pedestrians. It's a car city, which yeah. I am. Hateful again. <laughs> I I'm like, wh- where are your trees? Where are your benches? Where are your bike lanes? Nothing. And we stayed downtown, which was even worse. Oh, because there's nothing remotely justifying or pretty about living downtown compared to like Malibu mm. or even like West Hollywood or like Burbank. There's nothing to look at besides dirty old broken down buildings. <laughs> I hated it. Oh, my God. That doesn't sound very fun. Yeah, I know. I feel like L.A. has never been an interest place for me either because, like, I've heard the traffic. Like, mm. and New York traffic already gets me, so I'm like. The traffic wasn't a big deal. Okay. 
when I was there and when what I did like when I was in a car, it wasn't a huge deal. Like it took, I think, 40 minutes to get from downtown to the beach. And it took like 45 minutes to get from Harlem to here today. Okay. So, so you yeah. know, it depends. It but depends. I'm an East Coast baby. I know I'm biased, but I love I love the nature of California. Yeah. I love being outside. The outdoors part Especially of it. when the weather is nice. I love the sun. I love trees. I love water. I love to be outside, mm-hmm. which is part of why New York sometimes isn't my favorite. Yeah. But I just <laughs> It was not it. It was not, the vibe. I, it was it was not the redwood forest, honey. It was <laughs> the gutter. The gutter. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, no. I hated it. That's awful. That does not. And that you order Uber Eats, <laughs> and you have to, you pay, you pay their tip. They're like. Fees, you know, when you order Uber Eats like now in New yeah. York, there's like fees and then you tip and there's a food price and tax. In LA, there's a law that the tip is part of like they get guaranteed pay as like in their tip that comes from your fees. And I didn't know that. So I paid someone like tw- a $20 tip oh on some God. Taco Bell. <laughs> Not on Taco Bell. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's he, the Taco Bell that I makes it a tragedy. It. That was the other thing. There's nowhere to eat past nine o'clock oh my God. in downtown LA. That isn't a hundred dollars. That's I, no. I'm clueless about why people want to live in LA. There you go, people. You've heard it here first. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on for the podcast. Me. This was incredible and it was so great to get to know you. You too. And where should the people follow you? You can follow me on all social media because I am hashtag branded at Kiki Ball Change everywhere. It's K-I-K-I ball like the sphere <laughs> and change like what we need in this world. Amen. <laughs> Period. Also, we didn't talk about I will be in Death Drop off Broadway. Oh, yes, yes. So you can see me there. You can get tickets at okay. deathdropplay.com. Amazing. We start previews June 30th. The show opens July 13th. Okay. Uh, it is at least a 20-week run. So I will be out of commission from the clubs. If you want to see me in the club, I'm sorry. I will be out of commission for at least six months. Wow. Um, Amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to do that. Yay! Which is sorry, I just want to tie it together. No, it's, right. I am very. It, the other thing that I love is like I set out this like mission and this path, this path to like to change my drag from something I felt like I had to fit the mold of like sure. what everyone else was doing and really gear it toward a path of like theater and what I love to do. And uh, you know, here I am. Like I have an award for best cabaret from Nightlife. I've I've solo produced like tons of my own solo cabarets and now i'm gonna be on tv and in an off broadway play i know and, i mean you know literally like i was looking like just like looking at your career i'm like that's like incredible like to build it up and like now like tv off broadway like it's an, it's incredible it's wild i feel like i'm on the precipice of something new of a new era yeah but i don't know what it's gonna look like i'm very scared but i'm very excited and oh, that's yeah. it that's the tea <laughs> okay thanks for having me yeah thanks for coming on bye guys <laughs> bye, bye. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.